that's the thing. But I know, hey, we're in a church, so uh, I also wanted to, you know, like, what did one angel say to the other? Halo there. Okay, there you go. So, um, hey, I'm telling you, those jokes are bad, but I guarantee you some of you will use them in the coming week. Okay, just, just you're welcome. Uh, but hopefully you'll remember other things that we talk about today. Hey, let me, let me pray for us, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to jump into our time together. Father God, thank you for um, this day that you've made. Thank you for the sun that has come up uh, this morning uh, that we had nothing to do with that reminds us that you are the creator and the sustainer of the earth and of our lives. And we thank you even as we approach um, a season of winter, a season where there's more darkness uh, in each day uh, than any other time of the year, that you are the light that has come into this world. And so we celebrate uh, you're coming as a baby 2,000 years ago, even as we long for and look ahead to your, your second coming. And so we pray on this fourth Sunday of Advent that we invite your Holy Spirit to be present with us. And Jesus, we pray that you would be lifted up and we would um, learn more about you and grow uh, in you this Christmas week. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, it's fourth Sunday of Advent. As you've heard, we've been really walking through Advent, uh, really intentionally as a church. So each week we have this, this prayer of lament, we light these candles. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we've been talking about light and darkness. That's been the theme of our uh, teaching series through Advent, and specifically we've been talking about the light of Jesus coming to a people in darkness. This is a huge theme in the Bible. If you, you don't have to read very long in the Bible at all to see that there's a lot of discussion and, of light and dark in the Bible. And so one of our theme verses for Advent this year uh, comes from Luke at the end of chapter one. We've written it up here on the chalkboard. Actually, uh, should give a shout out to Dan and Caroline Carroll, who have put together the chalkboard, which looks great. But here's what it says. We'll put it up on the screen for you, or you could just refer to the chalkboard. Uh, in Luke one, it says, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness. And so we've talked the last two weeks in our Advent series about some of the different characters in the Christmas narrative in the Bible and how the birth of Jesus brought light into their darkness. So two weeks ago, Brendan, he talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph, and how the light of Jesus came into the darkness of their uncertainty, an uncertain pregnancy, an uncertain engagement, and the light of Jesus came into that. Last week, Sam talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth, Elizabeth um, was Mary's relative or cousin, and how the light of Jesus shone in the darkness of their waiting. They waited years and years to have children, and the light of Jesus shone into that. And today we're going to talk about the shepherds um, and how the light broke into their darkness. But first, I just want I want you to think with me um, for a minute about light. Okay, what does light do for us? Um, I thought of a few things, okay, among many things, but light, number one, provides safety for humanity. So like many of you can probably remember like as a kid or maybe last night, you were scared of the dark, okay? Um, and when you're little, you, you tend to be scared of the dark. In general, probably more crime is committed um, in, in the dark. I think more sadness happens. Like I, I prayed that this, we're entering a season where it is darker than any other time of the year like with the, with the sun and stuff like that, and there's seasonal affective disorder, and more people are sad um, as, you know, 
it's going to be dark at 345 tomorrow probably or something. So like that's sort of a strange time of year. Um, and so we might believe that dark places are less safe, whether in actuality or perception. So light provides safety. Light also provides warmth. Okay, um, the sun keeps the world alive with its warmth. The, the warmth of a fire keeps you warm in the winter, or the warmth of the boiler in your basement pumps heat through your house, so light keeps you warm. And light also kind of makes life work. Um, it allows for us to see each other. It allows for us to know where to walk and kind of how to navigate. And when we experience the absence of light, uh, when the power goes out, like life just doesn't work the way it's supposed to, okay? We can't see each other, our appliances don't work, um, and we just feel like less safe. So when Jesus calls himself the light of the world, which I believe Sam is going to preach on uh, on Christmas Eve, when Jesus calls himself the light of the world, he's making a bold claim. And he's saying that he's come to provide safety, warmth, and sort of to make life work. And today we're going to look at how the shepherds experienced the light of Jesus penetrating their own personal darkness. So we're going to read the story of the shepherds. It's in the book of Luke chapter 2, but before that, just a quick bit of context. We're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 2 verse 8. It is right after Jesus has been born. Okay, Jesus' mother Mary and her fiancé Joseph have traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. There is famously no room in the inn that they are trying to stay in, and so Mary gives birth outside or in some place adjacent to the inn, most likely a stable or a cave that held animals, most likely in the dark, most likely in terrifying circumstances. And that's where we pick up the text. Jesus is born. That's how he comes into the world, and then he's announced to the shepherd. So we're going to read Luke 2, 8 through 20. We'll have it up on the screen. If you have a copy of the scriptures on a cellular device or on, in your Bible, open it up. And why don't you stand with me as we read um, the word of the Lord here from Luke chapter 2. This is the story of the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You can have a seat. Familiar, if you've been around church, 
You've probably heard this story before. It's, it's sort of familiar. Um, but the verse we started with, the chalkboard verse, okay, talks about Jesus being the one who brings light into those who sit in darkness. And so the darkness that, that this world can bring can sometimes be heavy. And there's a verb in that verse, our chalkboard verse, that says we sit, the people that sit in darkness, which implies an element of languishing or waiting in this darkness. And so I want to look at two types of darkness that these shepherds experienced, and then two aspects of the light that comes when Jesus' birth is announced, okay? The first type of darkness the shepherds were experiencing is the darkness of poverty. In verse 8, we get some sort of important information about these shepherds, okay? One is that they're out in open fields, and the second is that it is, it is night. They're working the night shift. These people are working the night shift, okay? There is some debate in the theological, historical community about like how shepherds were seen in Palestine 2,000 years ago. Uh, many people, like you may have heard if you've been around church, that shepherds were like low-class people. Aristotle uh, made the claim that shepherds were the laziest people in all of society and that they lived an idle life, okay? Um, other historians have noted that shepherds weren't allowed to like give testimony in a court of law because they were considered untrustworthy. So there's this like common thing, oh, shepherds are like lower class, outcast type people. That's a possibility. It's also interesting that the Bible seems to hold shepherds in fairly high regard, okay? Jesus is called the good shepherd in John 10. Maybe one of the most famous verses in the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, about a month or two ago, Sam was installed as our new lead pastor, and the word the Bible uses to describe pastors is shepherds. So the Bible holds shepherds in high regard. We don't know how society held them at the time. There's a chance that they were, they were sort of considered low class. There's a chance that actually the Bible uses all those metaphors because shepherds were not necessarily low class. So we, we don't totally know, um, but we do know that these people we're working a hard and dangerous job at a time of day when most people do not choose to work, the night. There's also a strong possibility that they lived in the fields where they were working. Okay, the NIV that I was reading from says the shepherds were living in the fields. Other translations say that they were staying in the fields or were just in the fields. So it's, there's a chance that they, that they lived there. Um, and these, these would strongly suggest that these were people that lived in material poverty. Most people who have an, a lot of resources don't choose to work at night or choose to work outdoors in an open field in a space. Um, and these are the people that God decides to tell first that he's showing up on earth. You know, there's hundreds of verses in the Bible about the poor, and it's clear in scripture that God has like a special level of care for the materially poor. So do we, do we have a heart for the poor? Here's a, here's a check for you, an interesting thing, okay? When you, just what do you think of when you think of the shepherds in the Bible story? Like I, maybe not you, I think of like them as like warm and fuzzy and cuddly, like we sing songs about them, we have this nice manger scene over here, they look pretty good. But I think maybe a closer modern day equivalent to this story is that Jesus is born 
Like if he was born in Dover in 2022, it'd be like he's born behind the days in at midnight and then he go, like someone goes across the street to the person working the night shift at 7-Eleven to tell him about Jesus. So like what do you think of like when you think of the like people hanging outside of 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts at 2 in the morning? Maybe not as warm and cuddly. But I think that's who Jesus has like a special heart for. That's sort of what this story seems to communicate. Um, and that he has a special heart for people that are in material poverty. And I understand like poverty in America in 2022 is different than what we're talking about here in Palestine 2,000 years ago. Um, and we might want to like help people in material poverty, but we also don't want to be like taken advantage of, okay? Um, I, I, I remember years ago when I was starting in some leadership roles in this church, I called a pastor that I really respected as we were thinking about how we might give out money as a church, like to people in, in material need. And I said, what do you do? And he said, hey, almost without question, if someone comes to our church, one time we will just give them money without asking any questions. And then later, if they need more funds, like we'll sort of establish a relationship and a process. And I said, hey, don't your, doesn't your church get taken advantage of? And he said, yeah, the way I figure it is if we don't get taken advantage of, sometimes we're not being generous enough. And I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. Um, and I think our model in who, who got taken advantage of more than Jesus himself. Coming to, like, I don't know what it's like to be God. I don't know. It's probably better than being human. Like, it is probably better than being human. So Jesus chose to become human. Like, and then he, then he was, like, born in Palestine in this poor circumstance. He died. He spent his life sort of being taken advantage of. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 tells us this. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. The reality is we may not all be materially poor. Pro probably, I don't know your life circumstance, probably most of us in this room might be in the top 3 to 6% of wealth in the world, actually, wealthiest people in the world. But we are all spiritually poor apart from Jesus and in deep need of Jesus. So in some ways, God extending the news of Christ's birth to the materially poor is a metaphor for the grace that he extends to all of us. So the shepherds sat in the darkness of poverty. They also sat in the darkness of darkness. You're welcome. Came up with that myself. Um, this might seem really obvious, but when the, when the angels showed up, the shepherds were sitting in a dark night. But here's what I mean by that, is more than just being poor, they were in somewhat of a vulnerable state. They were susceptible to wild animals or robbers because they worked through the night in open fields in the dark. This past year, Abby and I um, have read a, a great book that I would highly recommend. It's a book called Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren. Um, and this book talks about how night and darkness are spiritual metaphors for a period of suffering, vulnerability, and pain. And in the book, which I'll quote a little bit from later, she quotes the theologian Jürgen Moltmann. I'm sure you are very familiar with him. I wasn't, but he says this, good old Jürgen, he says, darkness and night, these are always symbols for the God-forsakenness of the world and for the lostness of men and women. In the darkness, we see nothing and no longer know where we are. Merry Christmas, everybody. Aren't you glad to come to hear that? But here's, I'm not sure about you, 
But I know for me, the world can seem pretty dark sometimes. Um, I've mentioned this before, but this has probably been the darkest year of my personal life. I lost my dad to death. I know many of you are walking through suffering or the loss of a loved one. I've walked through a, a pretty intense anxiety uh, issue disorder. And I've realized that life can get dark pretty fast. And I think like the shepherds, I've felt my own mortality and vulnerability in a new way. And I think these shepherds felt similarly. And the reality is that when the birth of Christ was announced to them, God himself entered the darkness of humanity and pierced that darkness with his light. About 700 years before this story took place, the prophet Isaiah says this, Isaiah 9-2. This is a great Christmas verse maybe my favorite Christmas verse. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And the beauty of Christmas is that God takes on our broken flesh and comes to sit in the darkness with us and then to rescue us from that darkness. Tish Harrison Warren, in this book, she puts it this way. We'll put the quote on the screen. She says this, mysteriously, God does not take away our vulnerability, he enters into it. And so in Christ, God chooses to sit in our darkness, enter into the vulnerability of being a human, and then transform it. So we're going to turn the page. I've been focusing on darkness, but I want to talk about the light that pierced this story with the shepherds. So I want to close by looking at two ways that this light pierced into the lives of the shepherds, okay? First thing about this light that the shepherds experienced, it both terrifies and comforts. The light terrifies and comforts. Look at verse 9, Luke 2 verse 9. It says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The shepherds are terrified. And they're actually the third group of people in the Christmas story that encounter the angel and are terrified. Every single, the last three weeks, we have read a story where an angel appears to someone and that someone is terrified. An angel appears to Mary to tell her that she's going to birth Jesus and she's terrified. An angel appears to Zechariah to tell him that his wife, who's been barren for many years, is going to have a baby and he's terrified. The angels appear to the shepherds and they're terrified. I think we live in a society that is frequently terrified. We traffic in fear. We're scared of viruses. We're scared of vaccines. We're scared of immigrants. We're scared of presidents. We're scared of the left-wing agenda. We're scared of the right-wing agenda. And depending on where we get our news from, you might have a different fear, <laughs> depending on where your, what your news source is. And I think a lot of the media traffics in like getting us to be scared. But I think the fear that the shepherds experienced was was different. It was a little different. They weren't experiencing the fear of human events or catastrophes, but they were experiencing the fear of God. And throughout the Bible, we see people who, when they encounter God, they have a rightful sense of fear towards him. A few years ago, uh, Jamie preached through Proverbs one summer, and he shared this key, this sort of like the theme verse, From Proverbs 1.7, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, or knowledge. 
And Jamie described the fear of God as seeing the awesome reality of who God is. So the shepherds encounter the glory of the Lord, and it's kind of scary. See, it's like in the presence of God, God shines a light into our darkness, but also shines a light on our sin, which can be a little bit scary or terrifying. In John's gospel, we read this, John 3, 19 through 21. This is a great passage. John says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has been done has been done through God. So when light comes into the world, it can like expose some things. I don't know if this is too like weird or, but like, I remember like years ago, there used to be these like Dateline NBC specials where they'd like go into a hotel room with like a black light and it would expose like all the germs and like stuff in hotel rooms. So if you're staying in a hotel room this Christmas season, you're welcome for that reminder. But it would like, it was like the light would expose the dirt or like, maybe you're like, ah, like my house is really clean. And then some light shines and you're like, no, it's not really clean. You know, like that kind of thing happens where like the light actually exposes that. And in the same way, like the light of God's holiness exposes our own sin and our need for him. So the light terrifies, but it also comforts. Because the next thing the angel says to the shepherds is this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And the angels comfort him with this like eternal good news that a Savior is coming. They don't comfort him with, hey, good news. The economy's going to improve. Good news. You don't have to work the night shift anymore. Good new- it's good news about the coming Savior, and it's for all people. I think the fact that we need a Savior is actually both terrifying and comforting. Terrifying in that like the things that we look to to save us, to give us meaning and purpose, they're not really our savior, our family, our job, our 401k. We need something outside of that, but it's incredibly comforting that Jesus is the savior that we're looking for, and and that's what's offered in the light. Good news, you're worse than you thought you were. Good news, Jesus is a better savior than you ever could have got on your own. So the light terrifies and comforts. The light also does this. The light sends the shepherds out. It sends them out. First to encounter Jesus and then to tell others. So in verse 15, we read that the light of the angels sends the shepherds to find the baby Jesus. Verse 15, they, they like rush to Bethlehem to see Jesus. We think, oh, that's really cool. It might have been kind of creepy. Like if you just have a baby and you're in the hospital room and like all this group of people are like banging on the door that are like, hey, we heard there's a baby here. You're like, this might be kind of weird. Like what did Joseph and Mary think when all these shepherds they didn't know showed up? I don't know. But it actually, it was, it was really cool. Like they're amazed. They see him. They, what do they do when they, when they hang out with Joseph and Mary? I don't know. These are the things that are kind of interesting that we could talk about and see. But the, the light sends them, like compels them, propels them to Jesus. And then in verse 17, they go out and spread that word to others, almost like they just can't help telling people. 
And then in verse 20, it says that the shepherds returned. They returned glorifying and praising God. Where do they return to? Presumably their jobs, their fields, working the night shift. Here's what's interesting. The light sends them to Jesus and then sends them back to a dark world. And I think when we encounter Jesus, we're also sent back to a dark world. But in Advent, we celebrate that Jesus came to the dark world and that he will return again. And when he comes back, the world that he inaugurates will no longer be dark. That's what we're looking forward to. Um, Allie read in the call to worship from Revelation chapter 21. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. It's this like prophecy about what will happen when Jesus comes a second time and inaugurates a new heaven and a new earth. In Revelation 22, we read these words about what that new heaven and new earth will look like. It talks about a city that's kind of like a metaphor for what the world will be like. And it says this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Friends, this is what we're looking forward to. The new heavens and the new earth. There's no light, no crying, no sadness, no pain, no poverty, no brokenness. But in the meantime, you and I are sent back to the darkness of the world with the message that Jesus, the true light, can transform and offer hope beyond anything in this life. This is how Tish Harrison Warren describes it at the end of Prayer in the Night. She says, in the end, darkness is not explained. It is defeated. Night is not justified or solved. It is endured until light overcomes it and it is no more. I want to close by talking to just a few groups of people. Some of you may be walking in darkness. If that's true of you, I'm sorry. And I'm with you. I've walked in a lot of darkness this last year. But I'd love for you to consider this Christmas season that Jesus has entered your darkness. He entered as a vulnerable child, and he's coming back to redeem your darkness with his glory. So hold on to Jesus and hold on to the hope that he offers. Some of you maybe feel like this sermon was a real downer. Maybe you feel like, ah, there's a lot of light in my life. It's Christmas week. Like, this is the best time of the year. Maybe you feel like there's a lot to celebrate in your life. That is so great. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Go into Christmas with just joy. That's wonderful. But also realize that true light and life are offered only in the person of Jesus Christ. And I'd encourage you to find someone sitting in darkness and sit in it with them. Ask them about the darkness of their life. Pray for them. And let them know that Jesus is the true light of the world. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this Advent season. Lord, we know that people waited years for you to come, and you came in a very unexpected way as a baby in a stable. 
showing up to announce your arrival to people working the night shift. But we thank you for that. And we thank you that you announce your arrival to us too. Whether we enter this Christmas season with a lot of light and excitement, or we enter with darkness, or we enter with apathy. We thank you that you announced today that you're the light of the world, that you came once as a baby and you'll come back again to redeem all the sin and pain in our world. We pray that we would see and know you in a new way this year, this Christmas season. We thank you that you offer light to the darkness of our individual lives and the darkness of our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.